I'm never reinventing the wheel. I'm just getting better. And I really do think that is a secret to success, especially if you struggle with content creation. Let's rinse and repeat. Let's stop starting from scratch. You have enough content. So if you get organized the first time you use the content, you get to use it again. I'm Amy Porterfield, ex-corporate girl turned CEO of a multi seven-figure business. But it wasn't all that long ago that I lacked the confidence, the budget, and the time to focus on growing my small but mighty business. Fast forward past many failed attempts and lessons learned, and you'll see the business I have today, one that changes lives and gives me more freedom than I ever thought possible. One that used to only exist as a daydream. I created the Online Marketing Made Easy podcast to give you simple, actionable, step-by-step strategies to help you do the same. If you're an ambitious entrepreneur or one in the making who's looking to create a business that makes an impact and a life you love, you're in the right place, friend. Let's get started. When you run an online business, your marketing metrics will tell you what in your business is profitable and where you're throwing money away. Yikes. That's pretty important, right? Luckily, I've put together the Ultimate Marketing Metrics Checklist, which is a free resource that will guide you through tracking and analyzing the most crucial metrics for your business. And let me tell you, I'm gonna keep it simple but effective. From evergreen data and revenue generation to podcast metrics and social media growth, this cheat sheet will cover it all. It's the exact one my team and I use to track our metrics on a weekly, monthly, quarterly, and annual basis. Let me be honest here. This wasn't an overnight process win for me. It took me 10 years to build this comprehensive list and get it just right. But you, my friend, can start using it today, tailoring it to suit your business-specific needs, but not having to start from scratch like I did. Whether you're a seasoned marketer or just getting started, this cheat sheet will help you make informed decisions as you grow your business and empower you to move forward confidently. So go to amyporterfield.com forward slash metrics to get your hands on the ultimate marketing metrics cheat sheet now. That's amyporterfield.com forward slash metrics. Welcome back to another episode of Online Marketing Made Easy. I'm your host, Amy Porterfield, and today we're diving into a topic that's so very close to my heart, my online communities. I truly believe having a community can be one of the most rewarding parts of creating an online business. When you see people actually diving in, implementing, and getting results from what you created, it's like magic. In fact, I believe in the power of community so much that I have an entire team in my business dedicated to it. My community team is made up of Sylvia, my community director, alongside Brittany and Megan, my community managers. If you've ever taken one of my courses, been in one of my boot camps, or part of my membership, you're very familiar with these three amazing women. Day in and day out, they're the ones interacting in my Facebook groups, providing answers and encouragement to keep my students motivated. However, their roles extend far beyond these daily interactions. Behind the scenes, Sylvia, Brittany, and Megan are in charge of a lot of tasks that are crucial to the success of my business. So in today's episode, I thought it would be fun to dive into some of the top strategies my community team uses to accomplish their tasks, support my students, and keep their department running smoothly. 
These strategies we'll discuss in this episode include crafting calendars and batching content, organizing and supporting live Q&As, establishing collaborative relationships with STAR students, creating feedback loops through surveys and testimonials, and analyzing metrics. And don't worry if you're flying solo without a virtual assistant or a team just yet. These strategies will still work for you, and I'll guide you on how they can be adapted even if you're a team of one. Huge shout out to my community team for offering up these strategies so I can share them with you. And I can't wait to go behind the scenes of my community team, so let's get started. As I describe these strategies today, keep in mind that my community team is run with the philosophy that the key to building a thriving community lies in nurturing relationships and encouraging active participation. By creating a space where members feel seen and heard, we enable them to form meaningful connections with each other. This sense of belonging leads to more engaged and vibrant community where each member is motivated to contribute and share and grow together. So the first strategy my community team uses to create this environment is mastering the art of calendar creation and batching. This leads to a more engaged community because it frees up my team's time every single day to interact live with my members rather than being in the weeds of daily content creation. So content batching is a topic that might sound familiar because I've discussed it before and you've likely used it or thought about using it. However, I truly believe it's a concept worth revisiting because I continue to see questions about it come up in my communities. So let's unpack this concept with a fresh look at one tangible way that my team and I use it in my own business. Because I have a year-round membership, my team uses this strategy monthly but it becomes especially necessary for them during launch periods when they're managing multiple Facebook groups. So the beauty of this strategy lies in its simplicity. So I'm a firm believer that the simplest systems often yield the most significant impact in business. And this strategy hits on just two key documents. For the first document, my team creates an overview content calendar organized in a spreadsheet, complemented by a Google Doc, serving as a central hub for the post copy, like in the group, and the graphics. So after setting these two documents up each month, Sylvia, Brittany, and Megan huddle to brainstorm. They explore topics that resonate with my students. They analyze the past month's post metrics, and they discuss community struggles. They also brainstorm engagement and connection ideas, ensuring everything aligns with the content that I teach. Now next, they plot out Facebook group post ideas on a calendar. So this gives them a bird's eye view of the month, making sure we've got a nice mix of teaching and connecting and those essential what's happening admin posts. I actually talk more about the importance of striking the perfect balance in your posting schedule in episode 534. So that episode's called Your A to Z Guide for Creating a Highly Engaged Paid Online Community. So episode 534, you can easily get to it by going to amyporterfield.com forward slash 534, or just go to the show notes of this episode. I'll link to it. So once the calendar is solidified, they move into batching content. They sit down and they block out time when all the posts and all the graphics for the month are created at once. So when you see posts come out in my Facebook group, it isn't a daily on-the-fly process. Instead, it's a strategic 
pre-scheduled approach. So if you are currently a member of Momentum, my membership, or if you were a part of Digital Course Academy, then we had posts every single day in DCA and in Momentum several times a week. And again, I wanna reiterate, those are not on the fly posts. We think about them, we strategize about them, we batch them and we schedule them. So it's important to really make that known because I think that you create so much more thoughtful content and you're very present on the projects you're working on when you're not scrambling to get a post up in a Facebook group. So by batching content creation, the team avoids the time drain of task switching, particularly when it involves creative activities like writing or designing. If you want to dive deeper into content batching, I have a whole podcast episode. It's called How to Mega Batch Your Content. It's episode 182. I'll link to it in the show notes. Now, before we wrap up this first strategy, I want to make sure you have a high-level overview and clear roadmap to mirror how my community team batches content. So start by creating an overview content calendar and a central content document in Google Drive. Next, brainstorm topics that resonate with your audience, analyze past post metrics, what worked, what didn't work, and consider community struggles. What are questions people asking? What are they struggling with? What do they want more of? Then plot these ideas onto your Facebook group calendar. Finally, batch your content by writing all the post copy and creating the graphics in one focused session. If you're flying solo, I suggest you block out a day for this. Spend about an hour planning, three hours writing, an hour or two designing graphics, and then about an hour to schedule it all into the group. Now that might sound like a lot of time, but you've just created a month's worth of content in just one day. And as you get to know your flow of content creation better, you can adjust these times and the blocks that you put on your calendar to match your unique needs. And as your business grows, you can start handing off bits and pieces of this process, like scheduling posts or designing graphics to a virtual assistant. Even a few hours a week can make a huge difference. Now, some of you might be thinking, Amy, why do you spend the time to create the posts in a Google Doc, then schedule them into the group? Why not just create and schedule at the same time? Well, I'm so glad you asked. This is for the purpose of scalability and not having to reinvent the wheel in my business. For example, in my Digital Course Academy launch, we run a two-week bootcamp called Course Confident. The first year we did this, my community team built the Facebook component of the bootcamp from the ground up using the process we just covered. But the second year we ran the bootcamp, they simply made copies of the calendar and content documents, tweaked them where needed, and they were off to the races. If everything were just in the Facebook group, it would have taken them hours to scroll through all the posts and to recreate the strategy. So this rinse and repeat method isn't just efficient, it's smart. It applies to my student community for Digital Course Academy too. As I've launched the same program over and over again, we never reinvent the wheel. We refine and improve and reuse the Facebook content, and we've done this for five years. Think about it. When you're creating content for a Facebook group that is supporting your digital course, Imagine if you launched this course every year, maybe two times a year. 
and you have it all mapped out in a Google Doc, what you're going to post, when you're going to post, you have it all calendared. Imagine how amazing it will feel the next time you launch that you can go into this Google Doc and you could say, let's use it again. I could refine it, I could make it better, but I'm never starting from scratch. I've used that motto, never start from scratch, throughout the 14 years of building a multi-million dollar business. And I don't just use it for my digital courses, but for all the assets that support my digital courses, from pre-launch to launching to delivering the course content in a private Facebook group. So I'm never reinventing the wheel. I'm just getting better. And I really do think that is a secret to success, especially if you struggle with content creation. Let's rinse and repeat. Let's stop starting from scratch. You have enough content. So if you get organized the first time you use the content, you get to use it again. And if you're a team of one and you're creating all the content for your Facebook group, make it a practice to create it outside of the social platform. Use a Google Doc so that next time you wanna use it, you don't have to hunt and peck all over inside that Facebook group or inside that community. You have it all in one place. You could tweak it there and then you could move it over to whatever social platform you want to use in that moment. That efficiency goes a long way. All right. With that strategy in place to streamline and save your time, let's pivot to another aspect of community management, live interactions. Over the years, I've seen firsthand how live experiences are instrumental in helping my students overcome hurdles and fast track their success. This is why in my Digital Course Academy community, I host weekly Q&A sessions. And in my membership program, I do them monthly. In these Q&As, my goal is to address as many questions as possible. To do this, my community team gathers questions from my students beforehand through a Google form. Then they transfer and organize the questions in a Google Doc named the Q&A Tracker. They also make sure to fine tune the questions for clarity, making it easier for me to read them during live sessions. They even annotate the document with helpful resources like specific podcast episodes or lessons in my course that tie into the questions. So if somebody asks a question and my team sees the question in advance and they know, oh, Amy did a podcast about that, we should tell the student that when Amy answers the question live, they'll put a note, hey, mention podcast episode number XYZ when you answer this question. Very, very helpful. So that when I go live to do a live Q&A in a private Facebook group, boom, I'm efficient. I'm on top of it. I'm getting through so many more questions than trying to look at the comments and trying to figure out what people are asking. Way more efficient. And it just is a better experience for your students. When I go live, all I need to do is pull up this document, read the question, and give my answer. While I'm doing this, my community manager actively strikes through answered questions on the tracker, helping me keep track of my place. Because to be honest, I will literally read the same question twice. I'll read the question, I'll answer it, go back to the tracker, and then read the same question again, because I'm confused where I'm at. So they literally just strike through the question I just answered in it, it's kind of amazing how much I need that and how much it keeps me on track. Also, the person helping me, so it would be somebody from my community department, she's at her house, I'm at my house. She's also in the live chat adding any follow-up questions 
to this document. So if somebody, if I answer a question and then somebody's like, yeah, but what about, she'll put that question right into the document where I see it in real time so I could follow up with that in the moment. So she's pacing with me the entire time. I use the same process during my webinars in a launch. At the end of each webinar, I always leave time for a live Q&A. So throughout the whole webinar, my community team is adding questions that pop up in the chat into my tracker. So this means I could stay fully focused on delivering the content in the webinar without worrying about keeping my eye on the chat. I'm not really good at multitasking, so ever since I've been doing webinars, I've always had a support person in the chat supporting me and everybody else on the webinar. And for those of you flying solo, you can absolutely adopt a similar approach. Set up a form to source your questions in advance. Organize them into a Q&A tracker. And if you're running webinars, consider bringing on a temporary VA or do what I did on my very first webinar and just invite your best friend to help you. I actually did this often in the beginning. I didn't have money to pay a VA, so I asked my friends and peers to support me on my webinar until I started making a little bit of money. But doing a webinar alone, not the best idea, so always see if you can get a little support. And just a note on asking for help, it's not a sign of weakness. It's a step towards growth. There are people in your life ready and willing to support you, just as you would for them. So it starts with mustering up a little courage to ask and then gracefully receiving help when it's offered. Now, speaking of help and support, this is the perfect segue into our third strategy, establishing relationships and involving star students in your business. I know you're focused on marketing and selling your digital products, but I know many of you also have physical products and I wanna talk about Shopify. Shopify is a user-friendly commerce platform that helps you, my dear online entrepreneur, build an online store and make more sales at any stage of your business. They're the force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other businesses at every size. Let me tell you why Shopify is an online entrepreneur's dream platform. It's because it helps turn your browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout experience. In fact, it converts 36% better compared to other leading e-commerce platforms. Yeah, loving that. And I don't know about you, but as an online entrepreneur, my customer's experience, especially when it comes to checking out, is so important. Plus, not only do they support your customers, they support you as the entrepreneur. Shopify's award-winning help desk is there to support your success through every question and every step of the way. There's a reason Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash made easy, all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash made easy now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. That's shopify.com slash made easy. We are online marketers, which means we have unique needs. And there are so many options out there for paid media. Sometimes it's hard to figure out where should you go to reach your ideal audience. But here's the thing. Have you thought about LinkedIn ads? LinkedIn ads empowers marketers with solutions for you and your customers, and it allows you to build the right relationships and drive results and reach your customers with meaningful content. 
You do not want to sleep on LinkedIn ads. And here's the thing, 79% of content marketers said LinkedIn produces the best results for paid media. I hear it from so many of my peers, and I know you're doing important work. And with that, you wanna make sure that the work you're doing is getting in front of the right people. And that's what LinkedIn ads will allow you to do. So let your marketing efforts connect with the right audience and get a $100 credit on your next campaign. So if you go to linkedin.com slash Amy, you can get that $100 credit. So that's linkedin.com slash Amy. Terms and conditions apply. So here's the thing. At the core of every successful online business are people. Behind every comment, every email, every interaction, there's a person with unique dreams and stories and a wealth of talent, which is why developing deep relationships and truly understanding our students is a huge part of what my community team does. They're always on the lookout for what I like to call our star students. These are the go-getters, the students with a positive entrepreneurial spirit who are actively engaged in our community. If you are a entrepreneur with a private Facebook group or a public Facebook group, you know that you love those go-getters, those super engaged, really enthusiastic students, right? They're like the best. And these students, they're chasing their dreams, they're sharing their wins, they're sharing their struggles and all the lessons learned and they're supporting one another, which I love. So once my students begin sharing, my team jumps in to celebrate their progress and engage further. We love to ask follow-up questions. We love to create connections and show that we're here, not only to support them, but to genuinely get to know them. And of course, celebrate them every step of the way. From these conversations, we have strategies to keep track of their stories. So did you hear that? We have strategies to keep track of their stories. For starters, we have Google Drive folders organized for each of my programs. Within these folders, we have subfolders named things like list building or webinars or general community love. Whenever a success story pops up in the community, my team captures it with a screenshot and adds it to the appropriate folder. Having these screenshots organized is so helpful when I wanna weave real life examples into my teachings, into my presentations, into my webinars, or use them as social proof in my marketing. I can go to my community team and say, hey, Do you know of an example of a student who's run a successful webinar with an email list of 100 people or less and has had a five-figure launch? And even with that level of specificity, and I do that, I send those requests to my team, they can get back to me quickly with the perfect example. These organized stories are also powerful content for my marketing team. They're able to ask for specific screenshots when writing launch copy or putting it on a sales page or in emails, as well as student success stories for the podcast. So this serves as some of my most powerful social proof. It helps future students believe their dreams are possible and that I am the right guide to help them along the way. Now, if you're a team of one, I highly recommend setting these folders up in Google Drive now so that you can easily find student stories when creating content. Because let's be honest, if you don't set up the system first, 
you're never going to follow through. You're going to take a great snapshot. You're going to put it on your desktop. You're going to lose it, never come back to it, never use it. So putting your systems together first makes all the difference. You will actually use the assets that you are collecting. Now, expanding on this and kind of changing gears just a little bit, establishing these meaningful relationships I've been talking about in my communities, it also helps to create the backbone of our advisor program in Digital Course Academy. So this program, the advisor program, is made up of alumni who've not only successfully launched using the strategies and framework that I teach, but who've actively contributed to our communities in meaningful ways in the past. So my community team identifies these students throughout the year and invites them to essentially become a part of Team Porterfield when I launch Digital Course Academy again. So their main job is to jump in and answer questions in my Facebook group. And I love this program so much because the advisors help offer diverse perspectives and real world applications of the strategies that I teach. They're a huge support during my Digital Course Academy launches. Now, if you'd like to establish an advisor program in your business, I suggest gathering a group of students whose talents complement yours. For example, this year, I had an advisor, Amy Pearl. She runs a successful seven-figure business launching her course to other businesses rather than individuals. While I can give general tips on how to use my framework to do this, I primarily market to and enroll individuals in my courses. So essentially, B2C business to consumer. Now, the level of real world experience that Amy Pearl can provide in an answer to my students who have questions about B2B, that's really powerful. Now, as you can see, advisors play an invaluable role in my communities. And in terms of compensation for their time and effort, you could look at this a few different ways. You could pay them hourly. You could do gift cards as a token of your appreciation. And I completely understand that not everyone might not be in a position to offer monetary gifts. In the past, I've also done things like offer my time by hosting a group coaching call only for my advisors, like a mastermind day. And that was more popular than anything else that I've offered. So if you're thinking of implementing an advisor program into your course, remember, there's always a way to express your gratitude, even when you're working within a tight budget. You have value to give and you've got to figure out, well, what kind of value would be really attractive to these advisors? So I want you to take a little time to develop a little self-awareness around where your knowledge gaps might be and start keeping an eye out for students who can help you fill those gaps. Now, you can also identify questions your students still have after taking your course, and then you can decide which type of alumni skill set you need to add to your course community the next time. And the way we identify questions and where our students are at is through the strategic use of surveys and testimonials. And this is the fourth strategy we're covering that my community team uses, and we'll shift into that now. If you have help from someone working in your community, I firmly believe they should be at the forefront of managing your surveys and testimonials. Their deep connection with your audience makes them perfectly suited to create survey questions, interpret that feedback from the surveys, and from there, collect testimonials. 
Now, if you're a team of one, you can develop the strategy yourself now. And as your team expands, you'll be ready to delegate it with the tips that I'm going to share with you now. So the survey and testimonial strategy that my team uses has a focus on creating a long-term cadence and rhythm for feedback. So let's take my course, Digital Course Academy, as an example. After the live nine-week program ends, we send out our first survey. The aim of this survey is to help us understand the initial experience students had with the content, what resonated, what aspects they loved, and the parts that didn't quite hit the mark. We also ask questions about their progress. Have they launched? How has their email list grown? How much revenue have they brought in so far? These insights are helpful for me to identify areas where my students might be facing challenges so I can tailor the content and my teaching methods in the future. One thing I teach is how to revamp a digital course. Every other year, I re-record from scratch Digital Course Academy. Sometimes I do really big changes. Sometimes they're a little less dramatic, but they're still really good just to keep the course fresh and up to date. But more importantly, to make sure that I'm identifying the challenges that my students have, and then I am addressing them in a different or new way so that every other year my course gets better and better. Now, my team's commitment to understanding students' progress and struggles, it doesn't just stop with that survey. Since my goal is to set my students up for long-term success, my community team continues sending surveys out at multiple intervals. So like six months, one year, one and a half years, and even two years after they finish Digital Course Academy. So to make this happen, we have an automated system that utilizes triggers in our email service provider. My team alters the questions in each survey based on what benchmarks we hope students have met at each of these time intervals. So from there, they have reoccurring tasks set up in Asana, which is our project management tool, reminding them to analyze the survey results. Because you know, you collect the data, but if you do not pour over the data and make sense of it, it's a huge waste of time. You're wasting your students' time filling out the surveys, and you're wasting your time creating surveys you're not using. It's really important to have a task. Hey, a new survey came in, make sure to analyze the data. So the tasks in Asana are automatically assigned to my community team members two weeks after a survey email is sent out. So this allows sufficient time for our students to respond thoughtfully to the survey. Once these tasks are triggered, my community team is prompted to dive into action. Their first step is to download the survey results. This is followed by an analysis of the data, drawing out key insights and actionable suggestions. And the aim here is not just to gather information, but to translate these findings into improvements and ideas for future versions of my course. So after the analysis, my team compiles their findings and recommendations into a report. Now, this report is then distributed to our entire team so that we can act on it and implement what we learn. Imagine how valuable those survey results are to my copywriter who is going to write copy for the next launch. Imagine how valuable it is to customer support to figure out how they can better support during the next launch. Okay, so that's the survey side, but similar to our surveys, my community team has also automated and streamlined our testimonial collection process. 
As soon as a program ends, we initiate a sequence of automated emails. This ensures that we're capturing student wins at different stages of their journey. So understanding that everyone has a unique way of expressing themselves, we've also diversified our testimonial collection methods. For those who prefer writing, we have a simple Google form for short written testimonials. It's quick, easy, and straightforward. For students who are more comfortable in front of the camera, we use a program called Bonjoro, and it guides students through a series of interview questions and gathers brief video clips. We'll link to that in the show notes. And for those students who want to share a more in-depth account of their experience, we offer an official interview process conducted by one of my community managers over Zoom. So this variety in our testimonial collection process, it not only caters to different comfort levels and preferences of my students, but also enriches the types of stories I'm able to tell. So if you want to hear all the details of how my team and I collect testimonials, I have a podcast that dives even deeper into this process. It's called Behind the Scenes, How I Collect Money-Making Testimonials. And it's episode 370. I'll link to it in the show notes. And if you're curious how to get to those show notes, because I might have a lot of links for this episode, just go to amyporterfield.com forward slash 643. Okay, so beyond these surveys and testimonials, I find it helpful to have less formal feedback channels in my business too. So for example, we have a wins channel on Slack where my community team shares student wins regularly. It's a constant real-time stream of insights used to understand the community better. It's also the channel I like to visit if I'm ever having a down day and I need a little pick-me-up because reading my students' success stories it really does the trick to cheer me up on a really hard day. So I just go to Slack, I go into wins, and I see all these great success stories. And I remember why I'm doing what I'm doing. Building effective feedback loops is so important, whether you're working as a team of one or 100. And it makes sure that you're building a business that's moving in the right direction and is based on the most valuable assets you have, your students, and of course, your customers. So speaking of moving in the right direction, it's time to move to the final strategy that we're going to discuss in this episode, establishing and analyzing community team metrics. Now, it's no secret that I'm a total data nerd, and my love affair with numbers has led me to develop a data-driven culture on my team. This lets us know exactly what's working and when it's time to shake things up or pivot or inject some fresh strategies into the business. Let's look at one way my community team establishes and uses metrics in my membership, Momentum. Now, for those of you who don't know, I have a membership. It's $97 a month. And the only way to get an invite is if you are enrolled in Digital Course Academy. So if you're an alumni of Digital Course Academy, you get a private invite into Momentum one or two times a year. I'll open it up. And it's really intimate, really engaged. It's just a beautiful community of course creators. Some people haven't launched yet. Others have launched four or five times. So it's a really great mix. Now, inside Momentum, we've developed a dashboard using a spreadsheet in Google Docs for this community. It's where we track engagement within my Facebook group. Think comments, posts, attendance at live events, all that good stuff. Now, the dashboard also keeps tabs on numbers like our retention and our churn rates for the membership. These are the key performance indicators, KPIs, my community team is responsible for. 
When our numbers start to move outside of our goal in any of these areas, my team jumps into action. So let's say our engagement levels in the Facebook group start to drop a bit. That's my team's cue to huddle up and brainstorm some new engagement strategies. These meeting sessions have led them to start offering new experiences like challenges or co-working sessions and networking events. And if they see our churn rate inching up, so like people are actually getting out of the membership and we have a certain percentage we want to stay within, if we see that we're getting outside of that percentage, that's a red flag for my community team to dive deep run some focus groups with our members, which they do. And once they run these focus groups, they establish an interdepartment meeting with my content team to chat about how we can alter or improve our deliverables to best support our members' needs. If you're running your business solo, make a goal to keep an eye on a few key metrics. It's easier than it sounds, I promise. So to start, pick one to three things to focus on, Add the numbers to a spreadsheet every single week. If you need to, inside Asana or your project management tool, give yourself a reminder to update the spreadsheet every week. If you don't, you're never going to do it. So you need some kind of reminder. Once you start tracking a few of these numbers, don't get crazy in the beginning or you'll never follow through. Doing this now means you can start collecting historical data and noticing trends. So the best time to do it was yesterday. The next best time is today. If you want to get the lowdown on what other metrics my team keeps an eye on, check out episode 587. It's titled Overwhelmed by Marketing Metrics, Learn Which Ones I Track and Why. So I get into all the metrics I track. I'll pop the link to that show in the show notes as well. So just go to amyporterfield.com forward slash 643. To sum up this last section, to be really honest, I'm really thankful for my past self for tracking numbers when it was just me starting out. Even when I was doing this in the most scrappiest way, not anything what it looks like today, but I was doing it like copying and pasting numbers into a spreadsheet, this historical data has helped my company's success today. So there you have it. Five key strategies my community team uses to accomplish their tasks and support my students, and really to support the team. Now, before we part ways today, I want to leave you with one thought. When you're building your business solo, you've got this incredible opportunity to get up close and personal with your community. Each of these techniques can be adapted to suit your individual journey now. And as you grow, You can up-level and hand some of these tasks and strategies off to VAs and team members. The key to getting the most out of this episode is to start small, stay consistent, and most importantly, take imperfect action. So set aside some dedicated time for batching content for your communities this week. Then take a look at how you're supporting your community live. Is there room to source questions in advance so you can come prepared with your best answers? If you have a community that's live right now, set up just one folder in Google Drive to collect screenshots of student success stories. And rather than feeling like you need to set up two years of surveys right now, take the time to develop and start just one. Send it out when your program wraps up and you can grow from there. Last, choose just one metric to start tracking weekly. Think about what you'll do if this number starts to drop or increase, depending on which way you want it to go, so you're building a company based on data-driven decision-making. Did you hear that one? Data-driven decision-making. 
I'm a pretty emotional girl and I can let my emotions drive how I'm making decisions. But when there's data, the data doesn't lie. And that really helps me. Once you feel confident about one metric, you can add one more. So keep it simple. My friend, building a business is all about taking it step by step. While there are no shortcuts, starting small can lead to surprising growth and improvement in no time. So thanks for joining me today. I'll see you next week, same time, same place. Take care. 